This episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by our good friends at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Hollywood. Andy, you're here for a, for an ad. It's been a while. This is exciting. I can't believe it. Uh, I support Ripley's. We all support Ripley's. Ripley's right now is running an away team special where you can get 10 people into the Ripley's Believe It or Not Auditorium in Hollywood, California. Is it Hollywood? I guess suppose it is. Yeah, it's yeah. That's got to be the heart of Hollywood, right? Holly, yeah, I mean, but my question was: Is it Hollywood, Los Angeles, or is it just Hollywood? It's Hollywood. Hello, oh, Los Angeles. Oh, good question. I mean, anyway, point is, it's Hollywood. They do classically say Hollywood, California. Yeah, it's Hollywood Boulevard, uh, corner of Hollywood and Highland. The auditorium's right there. You'll notice. Uh, you'll know it by the giant Tyrannosaurus Rex bursting out of the roof, eating a clock. That is uh, how you know the Ripley's Blue Ridge Museum, but. If you want to get that deal where you get 10, up to 10 people in, and the away team deal, all you have to do is go to the counter, mention you heard this on Star Trek, the next conversation, and say, hey, I also think Riker's beard is super sexy. 10 people for $100. What a bargain. And let's not also forget at the end of, throughout the summer, we have Wacky Wednesdays where kids get the adults in for free. Cute. Kids pay, adults free. What a deal. Uh, head over to the auditorium, and without further ado, here is Star Trek The Next Conversation. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Andy, we're back. Hi. Can you believe it? I can. It seemed like it seems mere like, seconds had passed. A, it seems like a fairly reasonable thing to believe in. <laughs> the fact that we're here doing this podcast this week. Um, thank you all for uh, supporting us, listening, and supporting our sponsor. We appreciate all you've done for us. Uh, more so than we appreciate the old lady makeup on Dr. Pulaski. Which, by the way, that bad. I was going to say, I was just going to say, as far as old makeup goes in Star Trek... One of their better goes at it, I think. I did read something, and unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the makeup gentleman, but he had done some Westmore? very impressive... Westmore, yes, and yeah. he had done some very impressive makeup uh, work in his credits, I mean, and he made the distinction between too short a season, mm-hmm. where it looked like somebody threw paper mache on the guy's face, yeah. and this one where he had more time to kind of plan it yeah. and work it. yeah. And I thought it was pretty reasonable. Westmore is one of the best guys in the business. Yeah. Um, Matt, do you yes. want to hear about our friends who have just entered the Admirals Club? You know, nothing brings me more joy than people entering the Admirals Club and helping us pay for our producer, which we have hired to put this all together so I don't have to do it anymore. Could iTunes leave a five-star review and join me? All right, Matthew. That's me. 
first, this one's a long one, Star Trek TNC, IMO, FDW, LOL, Matt and Andy Forever. In 1988, when Bonnie Tyler sang, you're simply the best, better than all the rest, did she realize she was inadvertently reviewing a podcast that would come along 29 years later? (laughs) Probably. If you download this podcast on the Klingon homeworld, maybe you would know, Quonos? You'd have to search for Quapla, the Klingon word for success, in order to find Star Trek, the next Kronos, conversation. Kronos. 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 Oh, I don't know if it's a misspell or if I'm... Whatever. No. That's just how it's pronounced. It's K apostrophe O-N-O-S. Silly Klingons. I cannot overstate how great and fun this podcast is. Matt and Andy provide unasked for, adoring criticism, and epic praise for this beloved show. You won't know until you listen just how much you need this in your podcast rotation. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Sukram. Sukram, Admiral Sukram, welcome. Great podcast from Admiral Baby G. J. Swilla. I like calling uh, <laughs> putting Admiral before their name is like putting in bed at the end of a, a fortune cookie. Sure. <laughs> um, he says, you guys do above average. Keep it up. Hey, that's all we can ask is to be slightly above average. Make it so, Myra and Secunda, while ripping apart each episode and exposing flaws, makes you love Trek and then more and more. Uh, thanks, guys. Culinary excellence. Yeah. In your, if you're heading to California for a trip, yeah. uh, you need to hear this podcast. That's all the, true. We'll tell you all the food to eat. All the best places to eat are covered. <laughs> um, hot mess. Best hot mess of a show ever. True. I would pay money to watch these guys hang out. Andy will miss every cue, and it is the best thing I ever heard. Matt's Star Trek knowledge is amazing, and listening to these cue guys is a delight. Um, so... We also have an entry into the president circle. Oh, the United Federation of Planets president circle. The only people who can tell admirals what to do. Um, how would you how would you say this name? A G E E. A G. A G. Like 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 Steve A G. That's a last name though. This right. Is the first name. I'm gonna say it's A G. A G Springer. She, uh, he he she. Don't know. Sent us $25. What? What do we have to do for this $25? For Andy to enjoy an appetizer or dessert whenever Matt finally takes him to Mastro's. Oh. Sorry, Matt was such a bad friend. Matt betrayed me last last time. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Matt was such a bad friend, Andy. Hope this helps make up for some of the emotional pain and suffering he caused. Andy you. had the opportunity to go to Mastro's, but he elected to go to a party instead. And it was short notice, and I don't blame him for not wanting to be you know what, guys? sloppy seconds. I'm, uh, Dory has even expressed this week concern that, uh, that I seem alone and sad. <laughs> so, but, you know, I can't uh, dispute the, uh, I don't know that I was any different when I was married, but uh, so, uh, so, you know, when somebody invites me to a party, you gotta, gotta go. take the you opportunity. Go. I understand. Um, and uh, Matt, that's that's the, the Admirals Club. Great, Captain. We are being hailed. Oh, this is moving at such a pace that I'm getting a boner. <laughs> Guys, greeting from greetings from the UK. I wanted to leave a voicemail, but I don't have one of those sexy British accents that you like so much. I have a Birmingham accent, pronounced Birmingham. <laughs> Um, but this person is from England? Yeah. Bigfoot? I think it must be a delightful accent. We love the down in the street British accents. We love the... Yeah, well, all British accents are very subtly different. Well, some not so, you know, like a Manchester versus like a London accent. Some not so subtly different, but... 
so this person, Bigfoot, uh, says they don't even watch um, TNG. They just listen. Why would they? We play enough of the fucking audio of the show. Yeah. I mean, there's no need to listen. We're cutting out the middleman. Really enjoy the podcast. Even the closest I've come to Star Trek is watching British comedy Red Dwarf. <laughs> um, and then Bigfoot. Oh, boy, Bigfoot. Uh, had last week, <laughs> I don't remember even the context, but we had discussed the offhanded question of what my theme song would be. And uh, Bigfoot suggests this one. Lonely, I'm Mr. Lonely. <laughs> I have nobody. This is depressing. Oh, it really is sad. <laughs> There's also a picture of a sad Who, baby, who sings know. that? Gene Pitney? Um, it's not... But a sped up Gene here. Pitney? Yeah, it's not listed here. You'll have to do your, your research. Oh, sure. Um, now, another exciting thing this week... Um, because there was a debate. We had been called out. I'm sorry, I don't remember the fan um, who had uh, who had suggested. I remember that they were outraged, though, that we had suggested that uh, we had had an extended conversation about Dr. Salar because I enjoyed her so much, mm-hmm. uh, played by Susie Plaxon. And um, someone had suggested, hey, she's not the first Vulcan female officer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Lieutenant J.G. Savick was the first. Um, but Matt had been reading from Larry Nemechek's book, uh, Dr. Trek. Which I thought I had clearly made clear sure. that I was reading from it. So it wasn't us. Uh, and we reached out to the, to the quintessential expert. And I had a delightful conversation with him, both, both uh, publicly and uh, quietly. And uh, he filled us in on stuff about Savick having been originally written as a half Vulcan, half Romulan. I actually believe... You know, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not doing a good job of crediting all of our listeners that uh, that have supplied information. I'm going to try and do a better. A lot job. of you pointed it out, though. Uh, but she, she was originally written that way, which explains Kirstie Alley's more fiery presentation of the character. Yeah. Um, but then he said, over time, that was just sort of let Forgotten. go and and, and removed. Um, but whatever the case. Uh, he was saying that his original intention was basically to say on Next Generation, but he had written the book, The Star Trek Companion, apparently in three months, which is insane. So he was completely bleary-eyed and rushed, and he also kept trying to make corrections, and they wouldn't let him make corrections to oh, it. Oh, boy. Um, so uh, all that is true. The other thing that he was sort of uh, thought that perhaps he had in mind was that uh, she was the first official female officer and uh, the others were sort of lower ranking officers like Savick uh, even though they they are lieutenants you know what Larry I have to say you're proving yourself to be uh, quite a Star Trek fan because you're trying to retcon out your mistakes (laughs) (laughs) whatever the case and I fully support it I'm so happy that we're in touch uh, with him because now if uh, the extensive knowledge of Matt Myra does not suffice, we can uh, shoot Dr. Trek himself a question. Dr. Um, Trek. Um, another question that I had asked was uh, why Solar was, uh, was out and um, she apparently got Love and War. Uh, which is another show, and then we were just talking about that at work because of the late J, the late Jay Thomas, who recently passed. Yeah, and uh, Tracy Torme wanted Solar to have a thing with Worf, but that gave way to Kelahar, uh, same Susie, but no more Solar. But I guess it was a more flexible thing for her to come in. Also, we both agreed that uh, Susie Plexen 
uh, was much cuter as a Vulcan than she was as a Romulan uh, duck. Dr. I Than a Klingon. She was cuter, sorry, as a Vulcan. I just, I think she was... Cuter as a Romulan. I think she was, I think, any way you could get her. No, she's, she doesn't play a Romulan. She plays a Klingon. Oh, is it a Klingon? She's a Klingon. Oh. The love interest she is with Oh, Worf which makes sense. That's why she would she be with Klingon. Worf. Are you sure about that? Yes. All right. Yes. Look it up. Look what up? <laughs> My brain? You know, I got to say, Matt. Hey, brain. What do you think? People, Are you right? People Handsome, have right. been concerned at work that you, uh, you I've, I've, I was going to keep this to myself because. Uh, that I'm burning the candle at both ends? And because I know. I, they said, I really think you should tell Matt that I think he's doing too much. I'm like, I can't tell him to do that because I'm the low man on the totem pole. He's not going to get rid of Dory's podcast. He's not going to get rid of the bonding because that has hundreds of thousands of followers. <laughs> I'm the one who's out. Oh, you're the one who goes first, my friend. But we are keeping it going as long as humanly possible. We're even trying to move the scheduling around to make it during the week. And uh, I feel like all this is I think just we're trying for him to. We're trying at any. Listen, if I want, if I remove, if I, from if, the... I, if I, if I wanted this podcast to go away, it would have gone away. Uh, I enjoy doing it. I enjoy um, the getting to talk about Star Trek. I really enjoy the listeners. I like. I like all of the aspects of it, but it does it our, our podcast like the prelude life. to a breakup. No, the prelude, is, the prelude is that sometimes our Look, podcast... Look, we get along. Uh, we are, have a lot of fun. I think that We connect just, you on know, a lot of levels. I just, it's I not, just feel like it's not clicking, it's you know? It's not the podcast, it's, not. it's me. Um, <laughs> no, but what I was going to say, sometimes our, our, our podcast life spills into the workplace. Sure. Where uh, we have weird, snippy arguments that don't need to occur in the middle of the day at a writer's room. We did have a huge uh, argument about the podcast in front of everyone, which yeah. made them very... made them It made them extremely uncomfortable. Made them very uncomfortable. I don't think they... not. I mean, we've said this before, but they don't... No one else uh, uh, understands the fact that I think East Coast individuals, I feel like, can be gruff and, and bitchy at each other and be perfectly fine four minutes later. That is true. And uh, that's that's how Andy and I are. It's a, it's a hoot. Matt, here's a voicemail we got. Great. Hey, guys. Eric here. Love the show. Uh, big uh, Next Gen fan growing up. I remember watching with my dad uh, every afternoon uh, during, the, uh, during the school year. And we had a lot to talk about, shared stories, and it was really inspiring. And I wanted to grow up and be either Captain Picard or Joy LaForge. I thought of you guys looking at an article recently on trekmovie.com about uh, George R.R. R. Martin and why he was rejected as a writer for Star Trek The Next Generation. I thought this was fascinating. Of you. Uh, it doesn't say what producer he interviewed with to try to get the job, but the Harley. Uh, the supposition, I guess, is that he uh, spoke with our good friend Maurice Hurley and, <laughs> uh, when he said that uh, he had experience with Twilight Zone and writing uh, science fiction novels and short stories, uh, Maurice supposedly said, well, Star Trek's not a science fiction show, it's a people show. And I'm in my head thinking about the documentary and Maurice Hurley saying that, and it, yep, it, it's probably him. <laughs> anyway, love the show. Keep it up. I would love to have been in that, that interview. That's spectacular. I don't do science fiction. Oh, the great cuckoo bird of the galaxy might do it, but not me. Not when I'm in charge. Have you thought about going back to Miami Vice, sir? <laughs> no. 
Why? I feel like because this is my home now. But don't you think that you'd have a better time writing in a in a a reality based situation that is like in present day? No, I want to make Star Trek a reality based situation. Uh, But it's science fiction by nature. I I feel like you're just missing a lot of it. You're fired. Okay. Um, There was also a very interesting um, thing that someone sent us that we're going to play next week to conserve time Um, on. on Gates McFadden's experience, which was definitely a Hurley situation, too. I'm beginning to wonder if, like, they would have righted the ship prior to even the mm. new uniforms, like in season two. Yeah. If Hurley wasn't, like, he might have been actively changing it, uh, preventing it from being good. I think that, uh, you know, you wonder about shows and, and, and how much personalities within the show affect the quality of the show that you're watching Mm -hmm. uh to that point i don't watch game of thrones as as andy and i have uh, many discussions about but not i don't know if we've talked about it on this show in particular you know i've always been more of a lasers and space fan than a wizards and swords fan um not that there's wizards but um there are wizards Great. Uh, and I feel more <laughs> confident in my decision. But I, 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 I think they're called sorcerers. But. I'm watching people who love this show and have been following it for so long. And I'm watching the diminishing returns people are getting now that they're out of source material. I don't agree with that. I find, well, I'm just, you know. I feel like. I'm saying. I'm saying that I feel like a lot of the joy of Game of Thrones seemed to be that it was so unpredictable uh, story-wise because George R. R. Martin's a madman and wrote these thousand-page novels, yeah, um, that now that they're out of that time frame and they're out of that source material, I think the show appears to be turning into more of a normal television show. Here's what I feel: I feel like George R. R. Martin uh, is uh, is a genius without question, and also the fact that he was approaching it um, almost like a Sopranosy kind of like, yeah, this guy's this person's dead now. It does. What are you, you going to do? That's life. And uh, from a political standpoint, all the things, he, just the way he set it up was amazing and felt authentic, even though it was fantasy. And that's what's so wonderful about Game of Thrones. I feel like now that they're in an area where they're not following the the uh, books anymore, uh, that the source material is out, I feel like there is an element of, okay, we're making it a little bit more like a regular TV show, but also you've waited so long to like see these full-on battles and see different characters interact or fight or confront each other that even if it's a little bit of pandering mm-hmm. like i feel like it's watch you know it's like all the marvel and dc characters suddenly all fighting and being in the same universe and it's just like the the right. it's just so satisfying that i'm just enjoying the hell out of it um you know even though it may be less quote authentic like i'm happy for the change um we'll see where it lands but uh but i love it i will also add that uh, watching Matt in a room full of people discussing Game of Thrones and sort of shooting commentary in and trying to sort of, it's just like watching it's like watching a shark being just hurled onto dry land and just flipping around and just like, no! No, this isn't my, I don't care about this! I really don't. so irritated. I really don't. Um, Eric Ledbetter? Sent us a, a little comment uh, in Never Love a Goalie Part 2. 
Season 5, Episode 17 of Cheers. In addition to Brent Spiner, John Fleck is in it as the jury bailiff. The late, great Jay Thomas was the goalie in question. Oh, really? Everything uh, comes back to Jay Thomas. It really does. Um, and then uh, this gentleman, um, Keith Hicks, writes us, Hey, guys. You were talking about Troy not being uh, being able to sense Data's emotions in the last episode. She shouldn't be able to sense anything. He doesn't have an organic brain. It's just programming. Just like in Generations, he gets the emotion chip. Isn't it still just computer programming? Um, what is your take on this? I, I agree. Did I say that she should have been able to No, sense? no. He, this wasn't a correction. It was she's, the, Keith is just reinforcing, I think, what, I, what we were both saying last week, which is what's going on? Why can she sense anything? Right. Uh, side note, I was diagnosed with a pretty bad medical condition a few months ago where it put me in a deep depression. I never smiled. I never laughed. Just laid in bed all day. I can honestly say you guys are really good at getting me uh, to laugh when many things out there won't. Thank you for my favorite podcast. Uh, and I just wanted to give a little hat tip to Keith and uh, say, uh, hang in there, buddy. And uh, we're rooting for you. and glad to be of help if you have depression. Uh, I looked up on Health Central. Top 10 resources for people suffering from depression. Boy, Andy, you're rattling that off very quick. I don't understand why you might have looked that up already. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good resources there. So, uh, you know, if anybody needs Hang in there, Keith. (laughs) At least you're not Andy. You know, Keith, uh, I really, I really feel you. I really hear what you're going through. <laughs> it's my, um, my diagnosis on all people. Hey, at least you're not Andy. Just relax. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Laura Valinsky uh, said, Andy just mentioned the Prisoner TV show on our latest podcast. Yeah. Wanted to see if Andy knew about the new stories coming out. They're, only, uh, they're audio-only dramas, but they're quite good. And they're put out by a company in England called Big Finish. Laura, I am definitely going to check that out. I'm super interested. Oh, I wonder if they're going to be available on Stitcher Premium. I am now. I want to. I want you and I. Use the promo code Bond if you want to go to Stitcher Premium. Oh, there you go. I want. I want you to watch both. I want you to watch The Wire with me with your all your free time. I want you to watch Game of Thrones, and uh, I want you to. I've told you before how I watch Star Trek in the car. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm basically provoking you to get in a car accident. I'm mounted on my dash and I go. Sits right below my navigation screen. I think the prisoner is only seventeen episodes, so maybe if we're ever if we're ever not in this job again, then uh we can do it. And Matt, those are our hails. Andy, I gotta commend you on your performance so far you've been very smooth you have not made any audio cue mistakes i appreciate that and i'm 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 just pleased as punch uh thank you matt um and uh we're ready to jump in whenever i love it all right let me just take a look at the clock here so i can tell the dum-dums who don't love matt and andy's awesomeness what time to turn to by the way i was listening to doughboys uh one of my favorite podcasts Uh uh-huh it's all about food you got your wigers and your mitches there wiger and mitch they're like 40 minutes in before they even start talking about the place so just to give you a little heads up they're talking about they're talking about they're talking about a show or something i think it was various shows various tv shows ironically they were off topic. I think you can do that, you know? I think you can do that when you're them. We're and, not them. 
and we've gotten a lot of commentary that people like the mistakes and uh, other people that don't like the mistake. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a mixed bag. I think we're it's part of our charm. Uh, so we're talking about the episode on natural selection, which is production number one thirty three, and that aired the week of January thirtieth, nineteen eighty nine. Andy, and that week, pal, when I'm with you by Sheriff led the U.S. pop charts. I have no memory of this. I have no memory of this song either, but as I was saying to Andy, the YouTube comments on this on this song are so ridiculous. Here's a comment. Such memories. Now I'm married with two grown beautiful kids, but you always seem to think back of that first real true love that just tore your heart out. I remember hearing this song when I was a kid. I liked it then. I liked it now. Finding this video was wild luck for me. In my much younger days, another commenter, I obtained custody of my six-year-old daughter. As we were driving home from daycare one afternoon, this song came on the radio. (laughs) I already had her singing backup for me for certain songs. For instance, Promises by Eric Clapton. I just had to point to her and she would sing. How could we know that promises end? In only a darling six-year-old voice could. Anyway, at the end of this song, for a brief three to five seconds, I caught this note. She goes, Dad, love the memories. (laughs) Another commenter. Her name was Frances White. It was 1988. I feel like we're in the third act of a Goldbergs episode. We were 13, and I was in love. Here's another comment. My late wife and I danced at our wedding reception to this song 26 years ago. Here's another comment. Couple skate, anyone? This that, one, is the theme. that one seems sarcastic. Here's, here's Shanna. <laughs> theme song for my junior prom, 1989. Never heard this song, Andy. I don't have any recollection of this song, but I've never read such an emotionally powerful response in a YouTube comment section I mean, for a song. You can see why. This song is... This is the ballad, Sheriff apparently. is singing their hearts out, whoever Sheriff is. All right, Andy, what else is happening that week? In the UK, Something's Gotten Hold of My Heart by Mark Almond. Mark Almond? Sure. Featuring Gene Pitney was on top. Sidney Sheldon's, you know... Gene Pitney, word. I was just suggesting Gene That's Pitney. That's right, Gene Pitney lovely. was saying the other song. Uh, well, I, I, I couldn't get confirmation on that. Oh, okay. What is the name of that song? Mr. Lonely? Right? That's what I thought. I don't think Gene Pitney sang it. Anyway, go ahead. Sydney Sheldon's The Sands of Time. If you, if you want to send in your suggestion for an Andy theme song, some of them can be positive. They don't all have to be negative. We get a mixed bag. Sydney Sheldon's The Sands of Time continued its bestseller dominance while Rain Man enjoyed its fifth week at the as number one at the box office. U.S. Embassy in Kabul, Afghanistan, was abandoned due to its rising street violence. Shining Time Station was introduced to PBS audiences. Oh, it introduced PBS audiences to Thomas the Tank Engine. Interesting. Um, The original version of the SimCity video game was released, and the Time Magazine cover was The Bush Era Begins. Did it ever really end? (laughs) Listen to that note. A lot of people love that note. That's when all the people at the wedding would have applauded. Yep. That's where young young boys finish their hand jobs. <laughs> uh, That'd be really specific timing to pull that off. <laughs> and now I did it. Oh. oh boy, I've got to tell everyone. 
Oh, my God. <coughs> Sorry. All right. So this episode was directed by Paul Lynch, written by John Mason and Mike Gray. Uh, and here is your synopsis from the Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition by Larry Nemechek. Interesting how it says Revised Edition. Apparently, he could not make all the revisions he wanted to revise. I, you know, I feel like there's a sarcasm. This guy is a genius. Maybe, no. the, maybe it's a professional jealousy is what's going on here. No, I think it's... You, you should have seen the amount of, I, of information that poured out delightful. on the most it's surface delightful. question I asked. I, I don't think there's anyone out there who knows more than him. And I'm including Mike Okuda. Oh, wow. Uh, answering a distress call from the USS Lantry, the Enterprise finds by visual scans that the supply ship's entire crew has died of old age. Mysterious hyperaging has also hit the ship's last stopover, the Darwin Genetics Lab, where the stricken staff begs to have its genetically bred superchildren rescued. After assuring uh, the Enterprise crew that the children do not carry the disease, a skeptical Picard the wants the children checked children. anyway. To avoid crew contamination, Data pilots a shuttle so that Dr. Pulaski can examine a child in isolation. But the youth and his siblings turn out to be infected, and the crew is shocked when Pulaski herself was quarantined at the Darwin station to help with the cure research. Picard is not willing to accept the loss of his chief medical officer. He pushes his people to modify the transporter biofilter to screen out the virus. A hair sample finally provides the necessary pre-infected DNA, and the doctor and the lab staff are eventually cured. Sadly, the fate of the Darwin youth cannot be so easily reversed, and because of the health threat... The super children must be isolated forever. In one last gesture, the Enterprise returns to the Lantry and solemnly atomizes the plague ship with full Starfleet ceremony. 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 Kermo. Nye. Hmm. Celtic? Sure. <laughs> Captain's log, stardate 42494.8. The Enterprise is bound for Star Station India to rendezvous with a Starfleet medical courier. We've been told only that our presence is imperative. Hopefully, the mission will give me further opportunities to assess the performance of our new chief medical officer. Come. Why do captains do that? Assess performances of their officers? No, why do they go, come, as opposed to come in? <laughs> Maybe it's shorter, it's quicker, and uh-huh. the door is programmed to answer to that. Right. That's how the door sounds. Uh, this is a interesting way to start the episode, because they're starting it very much like they started Skin of Evil. Where we're like addressing a little too much time to the character who's going to be in peril. <laughs> Do you know what right. I mean? Like, but that's that's a classic. Yes, TV I know. Writing. But it's also made me wish that Pulaski was going to be killed. Mm-hmm. But she she made it. You... It did seem like they were leaning into it. Yeah, yeah. Did you see me, Captain? Yes, Counselor. Come, sit down. Counselor, you've had the opportunity to observe Dr. Pulaski for some time now. How would you evaluate her as a chief medical officer? 
I've never met a more dedicated physician. I would say she has a... Feels like a slam on Beverly. Totally. Mm. Yes, of course. I entirely agree. Is it possible that such consuming dedication could interfere with her judgment? I feel you In a word, Captain, does she seem a little bit share. like a bitch? Perhaps because I've had the opportunity to spend more time with her and get to know her better. Yes, perhaps you're right. Captain, we are picking up a faint distress signal on an open subspace frequency. It appears to be coming from an adjacent sector. Respond on the same frequency. We've never talked about the pointy sideburns of Trek. What do you mean? Everybody on Star Trek has pointy sideburns. Do they really? Yeah, yeah. They've always had that. It's been a weird aesthetic choice. Yeah. I, was, I only associate them mostly with Spock, but I guess you're right. No, every single person on Star Trek has pointy sideburns. Maybe they decided. And I'd like to future. know why. Maybe uh, in the future, um, they realize that pointy sideburns make humans more. Oh, one second. Where are all the bathrooms at? How could you possibly have a theory up of this when I just brought it up out of nowhere? This is the way theories happen. It's like I'm just, you know, I'm like a jazz master, you know, just my intuition says, here's the answer, Andy. In the future, they uh, they realize that uh, sideburns are the most aerodynamic of sideburns. You pick up point eight miles per hour or kilometers or whatever they use in the future. What do they use in the future, Matt? Uh, uh, kilometers, usually on the ship. Kilometers. Uh, and uh, so it's just it's just more efficient. That's all. But like... <laughs> Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Sorry. Uh, I would, if I were you, Andy, I would turn your computer down a hair. Okay. And then I can I can boost the other stuff. I'll right. just turn mine down a bit. It'll boost everything else. And that All way right. I don't think you'll peak anymore. Okay. Uh, but if you look at this shot that I'm looking at right now, my computer, which is the bridge crew, everyone, everyone everyone's does. got a pointy side. What about, burn. well, Worf doesn't have hair, right? Um, Worf has plenty of hair. On the side. gorgeous mane. No, I mean, you can't see it. But. Oh, yeah, wow. Datas are super sharp. Yeah. Anyway. Riker has the beard now. No one's ever answered that question. I guess it just looks more futuristic. You know who we should ask? Larry Nemechek? That's correct. Oh, this is great. <laughs> I got to get that guy's uh, phone number. Or is that a bad thing Come for in, bad both thing. of us? It's a bad thing for everyone involved. Just constant texting back and forth. Uh, I'm going to see if we can get this answer before it's over, but I doubt we will. Oh, you never know. Here comes Jordy. Engineering, transfer to bridge. We are closing on the land tree, Captain. Take us out of warp. Establish parallel course, match speed. Yes, sir. There's a script in this shot. Warp 7, sir. Andy. Yeah? There's a script in this (gasps) shot. Really? Yes. Can I see? Yeah. So, we're at the point where Jordy comes onto the bridge. bridge. Ugh. If only I was doing something with our right Instagram, there. we could put on the captain's chair. It's sideways, right? Yep. Wow. Well, you know, 
maybe it was just uh, he was trying to be quaint, and he was reading uh, an old timey. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna keep that forever. I found a script, everyone. Send it to me. Establish parallel course, match speed. Yes, sir. Not quite the professionals I thought they were on this ship. I do like when they have to take command of the thing, Star Trek II style. Computer. Security override request. Identify. Picard, Jean-Luc, Captain, USS Enterprise. Request control access. Starfleet ship. USS Lantry, ESO Tolaka Commanding. Enter access. That's a great name. Omicron, Omicron, Alpha, Yellow, Daystar, 2-7. Enable. I have verified receipt of the access codes for the Lantry, Captain. Graham, commence operations. <laughs> Look, you gotta see this fucking blocking they're doing on this episode. It's insane. This move, so when we're at the, the 637 mark, it's right after he puts inputs the uh, control access the into the... Uh, access, Starfleet ship, USS Lantry, ESO Tolaka Commanding. Enter access code. Omicron, so Omicron, when, Alpha, Yellow, when Patrick Stewart walks back out onto the bridge set, just look at the blocking they did for Riker. I have verified receipt of the access codes. Oh, God, terrible. <laughs> Crosses right <laughs> into the Crosses right through the camera and then, and then just follows him up. Which is insane. You should have put it on the fucking... Put him up behind the horseshoe. It's crazy. It's very strange. Uh, this was directed by... Probably a very competent man, Mr. Paul Lynch. Mm-hmm. Don't know what else Paul Lynch has done. How many episodes has he done? I don't know, Andy. I just said. I'm going to look it up. I don't, I'm not like Larry Nemechek. <laughs> uh, he's from Liverpool. Uh-huh. He did uh, a lot of uh, things no one's particularly here we go here we go here we go well i mean listen he did a bunch of uh he did a bunch of star trek he did the first duty which is a great fucking episode he did one one zero zero one zero zero one which we loved did we love it we had problems with it we liked it a lot uh he did a matter of time from the fifth season which is actually a favorite of mine uh he did a man alone babble q less and the passenger for D Space Nine. All right, so you know sometimes there's a rush. Uh, probably not the shot he wanted. Maybe. It, also, the directors, for the record, don't make the choice of what uh, they certainly make. What goes the in the cut of blocking? They make the choice of blocking, but he might have had one. We're like, oh no, no, we got to redo that, and then did a clean one. That's but the but very wh- true. Maurice Hurley didn't. It's like I don't. I like it when Riker walks right through the frame. <laughs> That's what we... It makes it more realistic. Uh, I don't like science fiction. All right. Sick fan alert, Captain. The interlock is engaged. The land tree is responding, sir. We have override control over bridge, Captain. All systems answering. All right. Let's have a look. Land tree bridge monitor engaging. You reading anything, Doctor? Still no signs. Do you have you having a question, Andy? I guess I'm just Back thinking. We're after the credit sequence. That's we're after the, the old captain's chair. Oh yeah, 
in the in the on the lantry. It's the old one with the brown which I was to understand that they had lost between season one and season two, yet it appears in this shot. Larry! Do you want to ask too? No. <sighs> Why do I have so many questions? I mean, I can... It's ridiculous. No, it's okay. Larry Nemechek is going to fast regret <laughs> being in contact with us. Must be Captain DeLocker on the left. Let's look at him. I love that must be Captain Talaka on the left. Like, he's deduced this by the guy sitting in the captain's chair. <laughs> Close on. Unless someone else took the captain's chair when Captain Talaka died. My God. Looks like they had a battle with time. And lost. I bet they fist bumped each other. <laughs> They're sitting right next to each other. They're standing right next to each other. So when Riker says they had a battle of time with time, and then Worf says they lo- and lost, uh, I, I feel like underneath right. underneath the tactical console they fist bumped each right. other. Nice, bro. That nice. was great, man. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> keep that up. You keep that. You keep that up. You keep that up. You get a promotion. Um, I have a common complaint. I love a common complaint. Go for it, buddy. Common complaints. Um, this is another teaser where the only thing that happens is that they can't hear someone. Uh, they can't hear the lane trees distress signal. That's how it ends. That's the cold open. <laughs> there, I don't Aren't understand. Are you like curious as to why they can't hear it? I don't even do we. We don't even know that everybody's dead. I think at the end of the cold open, You're that's correct. what it needs we to be. Not. We do not. And then the other thing I was going to say is like. That story-wise, and this guy, honestly, if Maurice Hurley's driving the ship, mm-hmm. that is a classic, like, that shit, you know, Miami Vice never would have made, Michael Mann never would have made that mistake. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta end it with a, with a punch. Well, I think it should have ended on seeing everybody dead. They had a battle with time. Right. And lost. That's right. Fist bump credits. That's true. 100%. Come on. Um, but at this point in the show, you're like, oh, it could be a temporal anomaly. Could be some sort of pocket of time that they're moving in that's accelerated, but then you're like, well, no, the ship full has full power. It's, it hasn't run through its energy reserves, so it's obviously not time. What is the issue? It's medical. Oh my god. Lantry crew already had, or it could have come from Gagarin. At the very least, the people from Darwin Station deserve a warning. We may have to consider a quarantine. You'll agree that we should quarantine the Lantry. Absolutely. Lieutenant, initiate the quarantine transmitters on the land tree and activate her marker beacons. We'll need to find her again. Aye, sir. Um, it's interesting you should play. Sir, that. shouldn't we just write down where where it is? We could probably find her pretty easily. What were you going to say, Andy? I was going to say that that was a moment. Um, oh, maybe I put it in my notes. Uh-huh. Um, that was a moment uh, that I was like the the phraseology was weird because she says we should quarantine it mm-hmm. and then he goes so you agree we should quarantine it and I was like I bet you there was an edit there and there was an edit there because if you check the original script mm. what happens is uh, let's see where I should start this 
Um, so they're in that conference room lounge. It says conference lounge. Seems like an odd name for the conference room. It's an observation lounge, actually. Are they in the observation lounge? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's not what uh, Hurley's calling it in the script. <laughs> well, there's a lot of chairs and some windows. Let's call it just a conference They're lounge. relaxing, aren't they? It's yeah, comfortable. It's lounge. <laughs> um, a single medical entry noting, this is Pulaski, that the first officer was... Did you, did you want to do a come over here and do theater or should I just read it? Just read it. <laughs> All right. Uh, noting that the first officer was treated for Thelusian flu five uh, days ago. Thelusian flu uh, as, as exotic, Pulaski says, but harmless rhinal virus. But there was no evidence uh, of infection in the first officer's autopsy. Um, if we don't know what we're looking for, how can we be certain the lantry is safe, says Riker. Pulaski says, we can't. We'll have to assume whatever caused this is still aboard. Picard clenches his jaw. Uh, Lieutenant Wait, Wolf. That's written in there? Uh-huh. That's so silly. Yeah, it's kind of insulting. Fucking tell Patrick yeah, Stewart how right. to act. That's 100%. Lieutenant Wolf, you know what to do. Sir, he exits. So I don't think in the scene he, he doesn't exit. Captain, Data says, uh, Captain, the Lantry's last port of call was three days ago. The Darwin Genetic Research Station on Gargarin 4. Picard and Riker look at each other. Pulaski, at least, at the very least, they deserve a warning. I was thinking of a quarantine, frowning. Picard, they're telling Kid Patrick Stewart mm-hmm, to frown. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of a quarantine. Pulaski says, I'll consider that possibility. Then Picard says, you'll con dash. Pulaski cuts him off and goes, Captain, if Starfleet had wanted you to make the medical judgments, they wouldn't have assigned you to a medical officer. So there's a full-on confrontation here. They cut out. Picard gets to his feet, swallowing hard. Seems weird. Picard, number swallowing one. hard, they're writing in there. Set course for Gargarin 4, warp 9. We'll depart the moment our security officer returns. And that's the end of the scene. That's crazy. Weird, huh? Good edit. Yes. But it also, I can't believe what they're writing into that script. How long are the scripts? 45,000 pages? Mm, let see if many, it doesn't have page numbers. Of course not. Tell. It's, it's internet. It's probably typed. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's hear the Lantry's. Uh... By the way, that's a very big ship for 46 people to be on. It's got multiple decks, two shuttle bays. It's true. Just saying. It looks like a Reliant class. Yeah, that's the other thing that was weird to me. It said it was a Reliant class, but it was a storage, like it was a transport ship, right? Yeah. yeah. So it seemed like it was very well equipped I mean, I guess to just be a regular. The, I guess most of the um, interior space of that ship could be just cargo bay. Uh-huh. You know, similar frame to the Reliant class, but... Uh, yeah, I'm just more again making excuses. Whatever. First to trick. Extreme caution. The USS Landry is a quarantined vessel by order of Starfleet Command. Do not board. Set course for Gagarin 4, warp 7. Course and speed set, sir. Extreme caution. The USS Landry is a quarantined vessel. I like that. Uh, by the way, in the Can't previous scene, Jordy comes onto the bridge and says... Transfers engineering control to the bridge, yeah. Is that a standard thing that he does now? 
that he does now like that you see in the show from now on oh he's very often up there doing engineering work it's like scotty's engineering station on the bridge he had one i don't remember him being he on had the one to the left much. of uh he had one to the left of kirk did he really yeah I'm a poor original series on Kirk's, fan. On Kirk's right is a science station with Spock. Behind him, obviously, is a horror. We all know that. But on the left is Scotty. I have another theory that's not a, a canon theory. Mm-hmm. Not that any of my theories are canon. But, I mean, is, is it Andy, off? <laughs> I feel like you've misrepresented your theories because I thought they were all canon. Oh, are they all canon? Yeah, right. I was certain that we were writing canon. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. I feel very powerful now. Um, the thing I was going to say is I wonder, uh, based on Denise Crosby's complaints mm-hmm. about having to be on the bridge even when she wasn't part of the story, and, like, she was even saying, hey, could we just get... Uh, fake legs for me to be behind yeah. Patrick Stewart so that when it doesn't have to do with me then you can just shoot those hours and hours of me just standing so they can shoot my legs you know uh, she, that, she, that that was one of the things that was driving her crazy I wonder if LeVar Burton actually requested to be head of engineering so he didn't have to be on the bridge when the story didn't concern him he could just come up and transfer engineering to bridge you know what I'm saying no Basically, it's like in The Office, all these people had to show up for a full day of shooting just to be in the background of a shot, which is what Denise Crosby had to be. Yeah. So maybe LeVar, who I think was the one who advanced the concept of him being head of engineering, was the one who did that, theoretically for a story reason, but also so that he didn't have to be on the bridge the whole time when the story didn't concern him. Um, interesting theory. It's now canon. <laughs> that, those are real people. It's not Doctor, <laughs> we are experiencing the rapid onset of geriatric phenomena. The first symptom is sudden acute arthritic inflammation. Then the aging process accelerates. Philandry. Dr. Pulaski, I celebrated my 35th birthday a week ago. Doctor, we understand that the I have not is taken care of myself. Research. Is there a possible connection? Our research here is limited to human genetics. I can assure you we're not dealing with something that got away from us. Not the best defense so far. For are you sure it's not something you're doing? Yeah. Our research is limited to human genetics. Can't imagine why humans would be getting sick here. We believe that we were infected by a supply ship that was here three days ago. Doctor, if you're speaking of the Landry, we encountered it a few hours ago. All the crew members were dead. Which would seem to confirm our suspicion. Were you able to establish a pathology, Doctor? Doctor, did you hear what I said? All the 26 men and women aboard that ship were dead. This seems I weird heard to you, me. Captain, and the prognosis is alarming. But my immediate concern is our children. Explain yourself. I, uh, why... Why does he need her to take an emotional interest in this? (laughs) Yeah, he's a captain. This guy's been in battle situations, all manner of disease situations. Why is he like, hey, come on, let's let's give it up for the dead people. Let's just let's just take a second here. It's just like, what is you know? Yeah, I understand. You should have an emotional reaction, but it is odd. Andy, I agree. I wonder if there was a. uh... (laughs) I'm gonna look it up. What was his line? (laughs) Um, Did you hear what I said? Yes. I wonder if there was a... uh, Nope. There is an exclamation point. Dr. Mandel, did you hear what I said? So they cut Dr. Mandel. Um, But I wonder if there was a... What we call in the business... 
a reader or an internal. Which, is which they seem to be doing Activate. a lot of in that script. Yeah. Picard swallows. He then exhales. He inhales. He exhales again. He says the following line. Um, he blinks twice. I am amused that Dr. Mandel knows so much about Pulaski and is kind of a fangirl. <laughs> oh, Dr. Pulaski. Oh, well. I can think of no one I'd rather be dealing with. I love... Transporter. I love Worf here. This is Chief O'Brien, sir. Almost ready. Is there a problem? It's the styrolite. I'm altering the delta T so the styrolite coating materializes two microseconds ahead of the child. It has to be right the first time. I'll take all the time you need. Entering corrections now, sir. Ready, Captain. O'Brien is the shit in this episode. Dr. Kingsley? O'Brien does what O'Brien does, man. Are you ready to transport? You have the coordinates. We have one 12-year-old male encased in number six styrolite. I have to assume Mandel had the same attitude before she was even aged. Energize. Mm -hmm. A trick! Transporter reverse. (laughs) (laughs) A trick! Starlight is intact, Captain. Force field down. I would just make her do all of this on on, on the shuttle. Here's what I would do from now on. Okay. I would, if I'm at Starfleet Command and I'm reading a report from the Enterprise and I'm reading this whole scenario, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to look at it. I'm going to then put down the pad that I was working on. Uh-huh. I'm going to say to my assistant, I assume I have an assistant at Starfleet, I'm going to say, can you get me the head of Star to Starship Design? Aye, sir. Thank you. And I'll take a sip of my coffee. Uh-huh. And then uh, take a sip, sir. We have so and so from Starfleet Design. I'm like, hey, uh, here's here's what I'm thinking. Just, yeah, uh, I was just reading a report from the Enterprise. Sure thing. Uh, you remember the Lantry when we built that? <laughs> Great ship. Yeah, looked I, just like the Reliant. It sure did. Looked uh, like it was a huge battle cruiser, but it was really just a transport. Yeah, ship. we just had a lot of dead space in there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of dead space, the crew's uh-huh. dead. Oh, yeah. Uh, infection killed everybody. So the Enterprise went. Wait, limit. Can I just take yeah. a moment to have an emotional reaction to that? Uh, you know what? I'm not Captain Picard. I don't need you to react oh, emotionally right, to these things. Let's uh, move on. But uh, the Enterprise D, you're familiar, of course, uh-huh. with Galaxy Class, uh, finest in our fleet. They had this thing. They beamed up someone to try to solve this Lantry's problem into sick bay. They had to beam it up in plastic. This 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 child. Uh huh. I assume the child uh, did not have any kind of infection or anything. Oh, big big infection. Oh, oh could okay. have killed the uh, thirteen hundred people on that ship. Huh. Um, Interesting move to no way to isolate the systems okay. uh, and make sure that the sick bay is completely isolated. Sure. Here's what I'd like you to add to the next ship. Okay. A a, a large shuttle, perhaps a you know uh, a shuttle that is sized like a runabout. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Andy, you don't know what I'm talking about, but a runabout they use those in D Space Nine. They're the bigger ships that have warp nacelles and sleep a few, and you know have a nice. Pre- cool. Here's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> and uh, I'd like you to make one uh-huh. that has a medical bay in it. Uh-huh. And essentially, I want that to be your medical ship. Right. Okay. We're uh-huh. gonna have keep the sick bay. You're gonna keep sick bay. 
I mean, I can do that, but you're kind nope. of robbing your crew of uh, having lots of long conversations about what they can and can't isolate and whether the whole crew yeah, is in I, danger. I, know. I see that, and I, and I get that that's like a lot of fun for a fun, lot of captains. Yeah. I, I, mean, so I know, I know, I know, but I'd like us to just add one of these fucking shuttles to the goddamn ships. All right. So that I don't have this shit go down. Like, we lost the entire Landry. All right, but I'm not going to make it automatically piloted so that you don't you can only bring one medical officer on board and not uh, endanger anyone else I'm oh gonna... okay i here's the deal i'd okay. like you to do that could you see i feel like you're really but how is how I is can't... that person going to have a kind of an emotional connection with the, the... whatever being be it android or human that uh, comes on board with that here's person. what i'd like you to do put a hollow emitter in there uh-huh. and we can hollow project a holograph like like but like the holodeck okay of of uh of history's greatest pilots uh-huh so it's always going to be like, like Chuck charles Yeager. limber oh you know it's going to be right. uh, it's going to be your amelia Earhart. sure it's going to be your uh uh you know your dick cunningham's from the year 2340 oh remember him i don't oh you will uh, okay. Anyway, back into the show. That was far too long of a of a sketch it's about what we call nothing. snark theater. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed snark theater. <laughs> want to make Tune in for our next performance. <laughs> snark theater uh, theme. <laughs> Feel free. Our snark theater theme should always be someone back at Starfleet reading reports sure. and then getting on the horn and fixing it. Sure, <laughs> I love it. Ridiculous. Captain, there's a definite presence, a distinct personality. Even in stasis, it's quite strong. The child is unquestionably telepathic. A child this mature? We could be looking at the future of humanity. Seems like a jump. At least Dr. Kingsley's vision of it. It seems also weird that the Federation is condoning this human genetics research. Well, I do have to uh, give uh, some credit to one of our other um, fans who wrote in and, and commented on that. It was it was it's crazy that it's just like the the genetics research when you when you consider everything that's happened with Khan and everything else, it's just like the eugenics wars, eugenics wars. That this is just skipped over is crazy. Someone wrote, are you, were you going to find that thing? Yeah, or Okay, it, well, close that since you're not, don't worry about it. I think I need some advice. I don't seem to be dealing with him very well. Weird scene of the, uh, weird scene of the episode. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Why do you say that? Well, my arguments don't seem to have any effect on him. We just end up quoting regulations to each other. He has such a consuming dedication to his ship. He doesn't seem to be able to step back to see the human side of the equation. I don't What's think that's accurate. Kate... I don't think he'd be where he is if he couldn't see the human side of the equation. Perhaps the two of you aren't all that different. What do you mean? Let's just say you both have well-established personalities. You're both assholes. He's a bitch. You're a bitch. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I found it. Um, oh, great. This is from Troy, ironically. Um, um, 
I'm writing in regards to, this is funny, uh, season two, episode seven, the deadly years, I mean unnatural selection, because the deadly years was the same hook in original series. If there's anything we've learned from Kansung, it's that tampering with human genetics is a big no-no in Gene Roddenberry's universe. Isn't human genetic engineering and enhancement illegal under Federation law? It is. If so, how does Darwin Station exist and so cavalierly breed the future of men, men, uh, humanity? Also... Uh, and this was a problem, I think, overall in the design of the thing. What's up with the rotary telephone down on Darwin Station? They sent a picture of it. I haven't seen it yet. No, they didn't. All right, I'm going to take. I may have. But that was, a, folks, an incoming message. Let me keep an eye peeled for this. Oh boy! Incoming message. Message. Andy, you're hitting all your cues. It's out of control. I don't know who you are and where Andy's going. <laughs> I'm a whole new man. Jordy. I need your help. What is it, Doctor? I need to prove that the children are harmless. I can only do that in a fail-safe environment. Oh, why don't you take the sick bay? The problem shuttle? is there's no area of the ship that can be sealed off with absolute certainty. I was, I was so things. far ahead of the plot curve on this. What do you mean? Of, of I just like I, was, I thought the same thing you thought with our little thing, which was just like as soon as they started to talk about this, I was like, can't they just beam everybody onto a shuttle? <laughs> it's not possible to totally cut it off from the rest of the ship. The only truly independent environment would be something like a shuttlecraft. A shuttlecraft. Why didn't you say so? Why wasn't that thought of a hundred years ago? That well, that was that was a I want to say two seconds of film yeah. used for her to walk away and for Jordy to walk back over to that wall panel and touch it. There's a lot of a lot of dead space on dead space end of on this show, Captain. I'd like permission to put the boy in a shuttlecraft. I can study him there without risk to anyone else. What about you? I am prepared to take that risk. Someone has to breathe the same air he breathes to touch him. I'm volunteering to make that test myself in a sensual way, Doctor. You have a responsibility to this ship. I which also goes- have a responsibility to humanity. Starfleet guidelines about contact with quarantine you vessels. You don't have to quote the rule book. What an attitude. You were saying. Request approved. Captain, you certify. Approved. I recognize that you're trying to satisfy my conditions. Cool as ice. Thank you. Great job. We're going on a shuttle. <laughs> you sent for me, Doctor. I did, Commander. I assume that you're qualified to pilot this shuttlecraft? Certainly. I took advanced training in the operation of auxiliary space vessels at Starfleet Academy, where I received... A more than passing grade, no doubt. Please, come aboard. We don't have much time. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Shuttle Bay 3, That's force field activated. Very satisfying. I like the effects here, even though I wish they, they're outdated. I wish they had matched the angle of the exterior of the ship on that door. Like, that's my only quarrel with any Star Trek set. Because when you're leaving, you know, the Enterprise door is, like, on the outside, and the exterior of the ship is angled. You were certainly captain-proof this, Doctor. Uh-oh. You'll take us a few and hundred meters away from the... straight up and down. Yeah. But at the one, the, at the shuttle bay you were in... In uh, Vegas, uh-huh. at Star Trek Experience, that was all to scale, and the windows all matched what they would have been on the exterior of the ship. So nice. 
Yeah. You really keep throwing it in my face. It was a good time. Thanks I to Jordy. There, and I didn't... The guy, the guy I was with didn't want to go in. Well, that guy should not be your friend anymore. I guess he's not really Sir? much my friend. Energize. Uh, so cool. The shuttle Sakharov? Yep. So cool to see it launch. You know, the next stage in human evolution, I hope that men don't have nipples. However, this man does. This is uh, another in a long line of characters and costuming and and people that they put on the show that's just like these weird, (laughs) greasy, sensual beings. I understand you perfectly. How could you, Doctor? He has not said anything. On that planet, the pleasure planet. Yes, he has. Everybody was having sex. Uh He's telepathic. He doesn't have the pointy sideburns because he's evolved. Does he not? uh, Does he? It looked like they were more curly hair, but maybe that might be some other issue. No, he does not have the pointy sideburns that everyone else has. Interesting. Time. Zero three two two exact. No wish. No word from Nemechek. I have the, the original sideburns. coordinates of the Darwin Isolation Lab, Captain. Quickly, please. Shuttle one, hold your position. Holding. <sighs> Stand by to transport. It wasn't your fault. I like that he looks all sad, but isn't saying anything. I wonder if he was played. He was paid as a an extra. He doesn't have a single line. He was cut for budgetary purposes. Featured His lines extra. were cut. Is that truth? Yes. <gasps> because he was so bad. No. Oh. Because they couldn't afford it. So they downgraded him. <laughs> yes. That's so cold. They couldn't afford it. The guy must have been there all for day shooting. <laughs> that is rough. Ah. Uh. As someone who is both an actor and a writer, that really offends me. I mean, what are you going to do? Call SAG? Screen Actors Guild? Well, no need to SAG off. Yes. From what we've seen in the land tree, (laughs) Dr. Pulaski may not have time to help herself. I like that uh, Chief O'Brien's finally at the conference table. So we're... Well, I suggest we... Yes, sir. We are past... Where where are you in the show now? About 28 minutes in. 28 minutes in. Um... Okay. So, mm-hmm. go to twenty three forty four. You got it. It's all part of being human. Shall we proceed? Ready to transport. You have the coordinates, Chief O'Brien. Shuttlecraft, maintain your position and stand by. Standing by. Andy, what was it around here? I guess it must have been just before that. Transporter control. She basically swipes at data for being irrational and then accuses him of being self-servingly frightened at what's going to happen. It's like she's saying he's an emotionless machine and also... We're in position, Doctor. It's the only way to prove they're harmless. And if they are not... 
I hate to keep reminding you, but you are a machine. You'll be perfectly safe. That is by no means certain, Doctor. But I was referring to you. Medical research is sometimes a risky business. So it's all part of being human. How we proceed. <laughs> it's all part of being human. You don't understand. She's saying, I, I don't... You'll be safe. You're a machine. So she's both saying, don't worry, emotionless machine. Mm-hmm. You'll be safe mm-hmm. because you're a machine. Yeah. You're emotionless. Yeah. So why would he be worried? Oh, I see. You can't accuse him of being worried. I see. I think that's a colloquialism, and I don't know if she meant it like that. All right. <laughs> well, I'm glad we took that journey. <laughs> it's the initial symptom of the disease. I said that was what a bunch of... Return the boy to Darwin Station. Apparently the children are carriers. Do you know anyone with, with arthritis? No. I just wonder. It's just like, as soon as she was like, ah, oh. No, but oh. if it's an instant onset, my God. Well, I, you know, I've spied spinal arthritis. You have spinal arthritis? Yeah. Oh, geez, I'm sorry, pal. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, good days and bad days, but it's... When it's inflamed, it's very painful. But I imagine that because of the aging... If it would just be instant. If it was just instant, I yeah. think that would hurt like fucking hell. All right, fair enough. I think she did a great job portraying Jesus that. Jesus Christ. What did the acting instructions say in the script? <laughs> oh. oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> what is her line there? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's right around... Uh, that's not gonna help. Zero three twenty two exactly. She's been in direct contact with the boy for eighteen minutes. All systems are functioning within normal specifications, Doctor. The manufacturer will be pleased to hear it. I appreciate your help, but your bedside manner needs work. Bedside manner. <gasps> Wide-eyed, suddenly gripped with fear, she slowly moves her arm and groans in pain. Data looks at her in alarm, and that's the end of the act. (laughs) Mm. So I feel like the instructions in the script were better than Pulaski's actual choice. Yes. But also that's a weird act ending that she goes, Ah! And Data is most likely immune, and surely the biofilter... Well, the transporter's biofilter won't protect us. The boy was transported twice already and still infected Dr. Pulaski. Yeah, but couldn't we adjust the biofilter? We could alter the filter to screen out whatever it is that's causing the disease. But we don't know what's causing the disease. We can't protect ourselves against the unknown. What we need is some kind of filter that doesn't depend on known biological factors. We might try the trace. Transporter trace? Well, as you know, the transporter keeps a record of all transmissions, a, a pattern, if you will. Usually it's just stored for security purposes. But if we use the transporter trace to control the reconstitution process... I don't think it's ever been tried quite that way before, but theoretically it is possible. She'll, of course, forget everything between that last transport and now because her memory won't be there. Right. seems we have no alternative. Where will we get the trace pattern? Doctors never used our transporter. Never? No, she's a woman of very strongly held opinions, sir. What was her previous assignment? Her Just last ship like was McCoy. the repulse. Bridge, Picard. 
Contact the USS Repulse using subspace captain's priority channel. Now, the Repulses come up in other episodes. Mm. I think the captain knew Picard. Um, I don't remember what episode it was. I, I think it was connected to the child, that, episode, that weird episode. The oldest is 12, and all are telekinetic. The uh, children were all supposed to be naked. Is that true? Yes. And then when they saw it, there was clear furniture on the set, they were like, okay, we're going to make costumes. <laughs> and that's why the costumes are... That would have made, made the weirdness weird tel- made. of them being as naked as they are yeah. even weirder. <laughs> just like, do you have to keep these genetically engineered genetically beautiful creatures engineered. naked? We just didn't think about it. We're scientists. Perfect in every way. Their body structure, their musculature, their minds. They're hung like horses. Their immune system. That was our masterpiece. We gave these children an aggressive immunity. The rest of us were infected by the supply ship, but they were protected. The Lantry logs indicated that only one crewman had any illness prior to arrival here. The first officer had a mild case of the Lusian flu. Yes, he was one of the crewmen who came in direct contact with us. The Thalusian flu would have little effect on you, but tell me, how would they react? Their immune system would release an active antibody that would attack the virus. Even at a distance? Their immune systems don't wait for a disease to attack the body. It would seek out an airborne virus and destroy it. That seems weird. Destroy it? How exactly? The antibody would adapt itself to alter the genetic code of the virus. Commander... I want an analysis of the interaction between the Felucian flu and the children. On a molecular genetic level. Oh, we don't have time for that. A genetic analysis could take months. Not necessarily. Commander Data has a way with computers. Even though I show him constant disrespect. Sorry, Picard. We erased Dr. Pulaski's transporter pattern right after she transferred. We don't like her. Not that she used the transporter much. She preferred the shop. Also, Captain, I'm I started going bald. Could you help me? Is there a replicator solution? As well as you say. Why did you let her go? I see you haven't run into her stubborn streak yet. As soon as she found out about an opening on the Enterprise, she put in a request for transfer. New Year service record backward and They probably had to pay this guy, so they couldn't afford the extra. Extraordinary. Commander. Have, why uh, did it attack you more quickly than Dr. Kingsley? The enclosed environment of the shuttlecraft concentrated my exposure. The Lantry's first officer carried the antibody onto his ship. It had the same effect on his crew. Right, what's the next step? The children will survive, but the rest of us are just about out of time. Uh-uh. I thought... Doctor, I want you back aboard this ship. We'll beam you up in suspended animation like the boy. That will give us more time. Captain, I appreciate what you're trying to do, but I got into this by... That, by the way, is the worst idea Patrick Stewart, or rather, Captain Picard has ever had. He's emotionally involved. Now that he found out that... Chief, 
medical officer's log, this will be my final Pulaski report is to the obsessed with him. Uh, doctor. Justice you, changes doctor. Doctor. You're still talking. Doctor. You're still. By changes in the environment. Do, you're still talking to the bridge, Doc. You're not actually making a log right. All right. <laughs> Just go ahead. An attempt to control human evolution has resulted in a new species. Uh-huh. It's lethal to its predecessors. Yeah. The children will be condemned to live out their lives in isolation. Uh-huh. Quarantine of the Darwin Station must be maintained forever. All right. Should I tell her? <laughs> um, good performance by Diana Mulder there. Yeah. With the voice. I mean, she's no Calmini, but who is? No. Can I just uh, throw in a little quick theory? Sure. That's what we're here for. I don't know if it comes back again, but Pulaski immediately transfers to the Enterprise and knew your knew his whole record backwards and forwards. She's she's been stalking Captain Picard. I don't think that's a theory. I think we just heard that in this. Fair show. enough. Okay, that's not an official theory. It's clear he wants to. That's just a restatement. She wants to go to the Bone Zone. <laughs> Strike Zone. Oh, forms present, sir. This transporter chief. Um, you may step down, sir. She oh, wants to evidence. toss one into the strike zone. Sure. Data, tell me. If. It's good to see you again. Thank you, sir. Now, quickly. If the changes that. in Dr. Pulaski's DNA were reversed, would it be possible? It's not reversible, sir. The subtle molecular transposition of. Yes, yes, yes. But say if it were undone, would she be normal again? As normal as ever, sir. You said that the transporter could be modified to filter out the changes in Dr. Pulaski. Yes, sir, but we were unable to locate her trace pattern. Well, what if we used a sample of her DNA, say, um, from a blood test taken before she was exposed to the disease? Could that be used to filter out the genetic changes? Well, I'd have to get into the biofilter bus and patch in a molecular matrix reader. That's no problem. But the waveform modulator will be overloaded without the regeneration limiter in the first stage circuit. Hmm. Interesting. However, theoretically... Data. Yes, sir. Can you do the modifications? I think so, sir. Then make it so. What a, uh, what a you heard pile Let's of... Let's get those panels off. What a pile of technobabble. The likes of I which like we've it. never seen. A blood test, a tissue sample... Anything that would have a sample of Dr. Pulaski's original DNA. So are they taking... Her records were shipped by way of Starfleet headquarters. They have not caught up with us yet. She doesn't use the transporter that much. Yeah. So what is happening here? They're taking her pattern from when? From the... Well, they need to find a DNA. No, they're not taking her pattern. They don't have her pattern. They're just taking the... They're they're recreating her from... They're they're going to beam her... Fully aboard. They're going to mm-hmm. beam her from Darwin Station. Okay. They are then going to use the DNA analysis that they have mm-hmm. once they get it from her hairbrush, mm-hmm. and they're going to fix her DNA mm-hmm. whilst beaming the rest of the pattern. Right? Yeah. Does that sound reasonable? It like, sounds does that like sound Star Trek. I guess I just don't understand the distinction. I think is the, this is the an ongoing debate, I believe, uh, about what exactly is happening during a transport. But uh, they're taking her actual particles, but they're reconstituting. No, them. no, 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 no. No, the way a transporter works, you're you, you're digitally recreated. You die every right. time you're transported, right? And your pattern goes into the buffer, 
So there, and your there, pattern is reconstituted with the matter in the stream. With the matter in the stream, but isn't the matter in the stream you? No, it's not. I don't think so. I think it, they imply that it is because otherwise you're dead. Well, you are dead. You're killed every time you're transported. I think there's some implication that yeah, but those are, that's your matter. That's uh, your stuff. It's the Heisenberg compensator. Well, whatever the case, what are they taking from the genetic material off of her hairbrush? The By DNA. the way, the it's a hilarious scene with Data and the Riker intact DNA. rifling through her stuff yes. creepily. Yeah, the intact date, the intact DNA, the pre-modified DNA, the, the one pre-diseased that, DNA, so they can screen out the new yes. thing. All right, it's all a little questionable, and it feels like of course this is it is basically just saying, "Hey, why don't we just do this every time somebody dies?" Well, that's why they have to change it later on in the series. Ridiculous. Oh, do they change it? A cell, oh, single cell. Let's check her quarters. This I can write. Two guys looking for evidence. <laughs> <laughs> This is classic procedural scene. It can never be in the first drawer. Then they don't look like detectives. It has a follicle, sir. Live cells. They got it. (laughs) I wonder who's going to get the collar for this. All right, Doctor Old Timey. We have a sample of your normal DNA. We have our DNA new doctor, Doctor Old Timey, the transporter. We think that we can beam you aboard while filtering out any of the genetic problems caused by the disease. Interesting theory, Captain. If if it works, we could use the same technique to save Doctor Kingsley and her colleagues. I think you should know this has never been attempted before. Well, I'll tell you one thing. If I live through this, I'll have a much better understanding of geriatrics. <laughs> Was that a joke? Should we be laughing? Almost ready, Chief. Almost ready, sir. There's just one thing. Yes. This modification's one way only. If it doesn't work, we won't be able to reverse transport the doctor back to the planet. Mm. Then I'll operate the transporter controls myself. If she's going to be consigned to oblivion, then... Thank you, sir. I'll be monitoring the medical scans. So this moment... But you'll be able to tell if it's worked by watching the stack. Yeah, go ahead. One thing is... uh, Colmini... Just like you can tell, like in this moment, like why they were like, oh, we got to give this guy more. Yeah. It's just like so professional and like in that reality, he's not pandering to it. Mm-hmm. He's not overplaying it. He's just a guy who knows his job. Yeah. You can feel the intensity beneath it. Really great performance. That's one thing. The other thing is this guy does. He's the transporter expert. Right. He, he does should it be. all day. He should be. I'm like, okay, you're going to give it to Picard. Picard's probably best at everything if that's your stance. But then he can't do it. And then McComini does it anyway, or, or O'Brien does it anyway. So why did you write that? 
Dr. Pulaski, are you ready? I suppose I am, Captain. I old. Here we go. <laughs> I would have loved it if she just exploded and all her parts splattered on everyone's faces. Captain, wait. I'll do the job that I'm better at. I found that if I hit these buttons five times, it would work. You couldn't bring me back a little bit younger? Doctor, good to see you back. Welcome back, Doctor. I like how Chief O'Brien gets no thanks. No, not at all. Good job. Mm -hmm. Captain, if this hadn't worked. Captain, I shit myself. You beamed it back. Beam your energy into empty space. And spread my atoms across the galaxy. Yes, I'm sorry. No, no, don't, don't be sorry. Every time I get into the damn thing, I'm convinced that's what's going to happen. Chief Medical Officer's log, supplemental. The adults of Darwin Station have been restored to normal health using our transporter. They will remain on Gagarin 4 and continue their research in hopes of one day rejoining their children. Impulse speed. There she is, Captain. Scientists believe no experiment is a failure, that even a mistake advances the evolution of understanding. Flows to 40 kilometers. 40 kilometers, aye, sir. But all achievement has a price. For one brief glimpse of the mysterious blueprint. By the way, here's the deal. You're you're essentially, I think they're moving too close to this thing. There's a lot of talk in Star Trek about not wanting to fire a weapon so close to something. And if you're, you know you're destroying the ship, the the ship's warp core is going to blow up. You're going to be that close to a warp core breach. Yeah. Which is a massive explosion. What I'm saying is the Enterprise is moving in too close and would be affected by this explosion. Um, that seemed reasonable. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Human evolution. The men in- Did you have something else to say? You and I have like a, you were going to say a thousand things. I have a crazy thing as I'm as I'm just I was looking for something else in the script, and then I saw this final scene between Jordy and a character named Rena. Do you have anything about this in Memory Alpha? Rena. No, I don't know Rena. I don't know if I should just skip to the end or if I should read the preliminary scene. You can skip. This is the last scene, so go for it. Corridor. Jordy and Rena are walking together. She she works in uh, engineering, I believe, with him. Looks like you'll be going. Uh, looks like you'll be going how to did, your next how assignment. Is, how was Rena spelled? R I N A, with a captain's commendation in your record. Thanks to you. And by the way, you see things. Turns to him. Tell me, when you look at me, what do you see? To me, beauty is constantly is a constantly changing thing. Sometimes people have it. Sometimes they don't. It all depends on their energy. Beat. I see your energy, and it's beautiful. But it comes from within. Rena, you're the only poetic chief engineer I've ever heard of. Jordy, and you're the most able trainee I've ever met. 
kisses her hand. To quote our first officer, it's been a pleasure. He looks up, but she's still holding his hand. Rena, technically, I'm off duty. Jordy, beat, technically, so am I. What is going on here? They have arrived at the entrance to a room. They look at each other for a moment. Rena, maybe you'd like to come in. I've got a fabulous collection of antique star drive drawings. <laughs> of course, that's the only thing I would need. Jordy would need that to get hard. Uh, Jordy, sorry for the crudeness, folks. Sounds riveting. As the door opens, they enter. As the door closes, we see her arms encircle him and they kiss. That's the end of the show. And that was Jordy's always, always LeVar Burton's complaint was that Jordy never got any. I bet he had the complaint because they kept cutting this scene out. I'm trying to see. Wow, it doesn't even seem like she's in the no, show that, that much. Listed. I'm trying to find the first scene with her in this. Is, do they just introduce? They must have been introducing her. The center of attention is clearly the new specialist trainee that is intent forward, Rena, an arrestingly beautiful young woman. Warp drive theory, Rena says, always came easy for me, but I'm looking forward to some hands-on experience. <laughs> She's talking to Riker, of course. I'm sure we'll be able to accommodate you. Rena's well aware that Riker is flirting with her, but she's not flattered. She concentrates on finishing her drink. Jordy, on the other hand, seems oblivious to the tension. <laughs> of course. I know what you mean. It's really electrifying experience, etc. She talks. Tell me, Commander, is it custom on the Enterprise for the first officer to wait on trainees? If they were all like you, I'm certain they would be, says Riker. So he's like flirting with her. There's a whole triangle. This is crazy. Well, then that's why they cut it. Seems crazy. And maybe why this episode feels like there's all these weird plot moves that are just like, when are they getting to it? And a lot more space between shots. Yeah. They had time to breathe. Did they cut it all entirely? I don't know. Yes, they did. They cut it all entirely. I don't even think they shot it. There's no mention of this character in any form on anything. (gasps) I've, I've broken a story, Matt. I bet they didn't even cast it. I bet it didn't make it past whatever draft you're in. I bet you're right. All right. Anyway, that's the Look end of this. this episode. Jordy, will I be on the away team? Riker, aware of Rena, it says, too dangerous for a valuable man like you. Smiles. Fortunately, first officers are expendable. He starts out, the then turns are you to Rena. About? Are you reading the right script? Yeah. I think so. They don't go on an away team mission on this in this episode. I know. This is unnatural selection. What is the away team mission? Where are they going? I don't know. Maybe it was a whole other plot. Oh, I don't know. Andy keeps reading scripts. I don't care. I'm telling you there's a whole thing. All right. It's it's definitely the right script. It seems crazy. There is no away team mission. So that's a very different Oh script. wait, maybe on the uh to the ship. Why would they go to the ship that's quarantined? That's a good question. All right, let me look and see what the... Do they uh, all get sick in it? Did more people get sick in that draft? Let me see what the away team mission is. Um, this could be an ambush. Talaka. All right, well, maybe we'll just figure it out for the next... Uh, Talaka is the name of the captain on board the Lantry. I know. Oh, wait, so is he alive? I don't Let's know. See. I think they were going to the Lantry. Okay. Are you mad at me? I feel like I've just uncovered a huge thing. 
No, it's just like you're reading such an old draft. It's pointless. It's not pointless. It's fascinating. This is the process, Matt. We're untangling the thoughts that went in before it became something I, I, else. I, I just don't like that we'll never get answers. We can get answers. We From can, who? We can ask the writers. We can ask George, uh, LeVar Burton. I doubt the writers of this episode are active on social media. They're probably a, 70. You gotta be a story detective, pal. We're already in touch with Nemechek. Maybe he knows. Maybe he does. Maybe it's in his book, which it's not. All right, whatevs. I don't think. Let me read. I'm the I'm the most valuable crew member of this podcast today, but uh, you for are. now. Uh, hang on. An echo of the original series episode, The Deadly Years. The story is the let the proverbial cat out of the bag by using the transporter to con- reconstruct a younger Dr. Pulaski to avoid a stream of endless complications, unlimited duplications of the character. For one, specific limitations were later laid down on the use of the technology. The script is the only dual effort by John Mason and Mike Gray during their half season as co-producers. The TNG's first named shuttlecraft is called the Sakharov, in honor of the Soviet physicist, <coughs> bless me, and uh, human rights advocate Andrei Sakharov, Sakharov, sorry, and a little more interior space had to be added. The Darwin superchildren were originally to have appeared nude, but the extras uh, were told to shave down to, from the next down. Uh, costumes had to be hastily made because the transport the transparent furniture nixed the idea the youth who was brought aboard the soccer office played by george baxter and had a name david but in budget crunch all his lines were cut to save money the away team did go on the lantry i don't know what the reason is that they didn't but then did everybody get old I, that, I don't know. It doesn't I think seem... you should. If you're going to start doing this, all right. where you're like reading all like it these does things not... from scripts, I need you to read the entire script. <laughs> <laughs> not even kidding. What do you mean? For next week or right now? I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, read the entire script. What are you so annoyed about? I just, because you're just bringing up questions and things we're not going to be able to answer. But, yeah, I feel like open, you're upset because I'm going, into not, I'm going into things outside canon that you're not an expert on. And it's frustrating you. Uh-huh. But it's fascinating. It's undeniably fascinating. I've also been podcasting for four hours now. Well, so. st- as usual, don't take it out on me. <laughs> I'm interested. And the people will be interested, too. The people will be heard from. Anyhow, That's, Matt. I mean, I. it's interesting. But it's like, I don't know. It's such a weird thing to think about. Like, you know. You know how many drafts of fucking scripts we go through? I know. And it's like, we don't... But if you were a diehard fan of the Goldbergs, wouldn't you, like, kind of want to know, hey, at one point, Barry was going to have superpowers, or whatever it was. He doesn't doesn't have superpowers. I still think we shouldn't have cut that. That's really the show I want to be writing. (laughs) Anyway, folks, let's get into the MVC. I still think we shouldn't have kept that. The vastness of space, (laughs) when the going gets rough, you gave it your all. Now what's the deal? We we each have one point. We can split up however we want. No, I think yeah, yeah. So like, if you wanted to give half and half, or a third and a third and a third, you could do that. Here's what I think. Um, because I think you can't deny that uh, Pulaski is sort of the medical officer. She figures out a bunch of stuff. I also feel like data. Basically, all of his skills are the things that sort of, you know, accelerate the research process. Uh-huh. So I would give 
uh, a quarter to Pulaski, mm-hmm. a quarter to Data, mm-hmm. and the rest to O'Brien. Fifty mm. percent to O'Brien for a most valuable crew member. Matt is. I think pondering. I'd give it all to O'Brien. I think that's reasonable. Everyone's dead without him. That's reasonable. O'Brien kicks ass in this episode. He doesn't bring, you know, a, a regular transporter chief doesn't bring the styrolite on two microseconds before the body, and the infection gets airborne, uh-huh. killing the entire crew. Right. <sighs> trying to think. All right, you've convinced me. I'm, I'm giving it all to O'Brien. Also. Chief O'Brien, you're the winner! Good yeah. job, Chief O'Brien. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Matt, I want to hear from you first. Sure. Oh, you want to win my rating of this? I would give this pod, this podcast, this podcast, <laughs> this podcast, podcast gets 10 Andes. Uh, and five uh, stars. 500 stars, 10 Andes, 17 warp cores, and 45 chief medical officers. But I would give this episode a grand total of three. I'd give it three Andy's. Uh huh. It's not, you know, it's not unbearable to watch. Uh, right. I like a lot of procedural things in it. I like, uh, I like the quarantine getting set up. Uh, I like the medical mystery. Um, I like the performances in it. Uh, you know, there's stuff to enjoy. I I agree. Um, I feel like the medical mystery in particular is kind of, it's clever that it's sort of, you know, it infected this crew. They were like, well, there's no problem with the children, but actually it's their immune systems that are destroying people. I don't know why they made the virus that people get old. Uh, I guess there was a medical reason that they sort of have it be that it accelerates the growing process in response to something. But it just feels like it should have just been a disease and not been another Deadly Years because in Deadly Years, the original, they really do address the issues of aging Mm -hmm. and Captain Kirk kind of feeling obsolete and everything like that. And here they don't really touch on it at all other than "Eh, they're probably going to die. So it seems like a waste of a repetition of a It's probably because they were too busy with Arena. (laughs) Clearly they did. I wonder if it was an 11th hour rewrite as we have experienced many of. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was just like, all right, we're throwing everything up. We got to get rid of this Rena character. Now we're going to make it all this, and that's why it's kind of slipshod, which is really the problem I have. And honestly, my overall perspective on themes and what's it about, I generally feel like I don't need to know. I don't need to hear it as long as it feels cohesive, subtextually, and uh, subtextually, and um, and this doesn't this feels very empty and tin yeah but i do really appreciate that they're untangling the medical mystery and they're going through steps and it's um and i loved o'brien in it um and the also the handling with picard and pulaski's relationship they're really leaning hard on it and they resolve nothing they don't clarify anything so i'm gonna give it a four also I gave it a three. You gave it one more than me. Oh boy, Andy, that's. I thought you gave it a four. You. I gave it a three. Mm. Oh boy, Andy. Did you start it giving so it a four and then you gave it a three? Never gave it a four. Interesting. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's hear the next episode we're watching. Will be a matter of honor. Here's the trailer as it aired on television some 29 years ago.
next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. I've been assigned to serve this ship and to obey your orders. Commander Riker joins the Klingons and is faced with a deadly decision. I intend to attack the Enterprise and destroy it. He must battle his own crew to survive. I order you to lower your shields and surrender. Prepare to attack! On Star Trek The Next Generation. Well, it seems like that's going to be a good episode. I I find Klingon episodes intolerable. Oh, you know what we forgot? Someone uh, what did we forget? Someone uh, suggested we used to do a thing where you would tell us at the top of the episode if it was worth watching. Yes, we should get back to that. Okay, so we'll start at the next episode. All right. Can I point out something, Matt? I didn't want to say it earlier. Is it about Rena? No. Oh, you might try and thwart me. I was afraid. I try to thwart him all the time. I think. I think I've pitched a perfect game here. I don't think I made a single mistake in the entire episode. Uh, I had at no point had to pull out the oops, I did it again. It's true. So, you know, yes, we're getting an editor, but I just want I just want it known for the record that I've reached the point where I can make no mistakes, do a mistakeless podcast. Oh, and by the way, the editor, I concerned. will not be allowing the editor to cut out your mistakes. Oh, that's interesting. Your mistakes will stay valid. All right, well. Hopefully there will be none. Lulls in conversation will be cut, though. Okay, that's reasonable. Well, in that case, then I could have looked longer for what Rena was. Oh, God, that's true. <laughs> but only you would have to endure week. it. I have to do oh, this today. Oh, okay, good. I well, do I don't, you're not going to do it. We have to record during the week next week because I'm leaving for the weekend. All right. Uh, if you want to send us your uh, emails or tweets or thoughts, you can email us at uh, sttncpod at gmail.com. Um, that's also apparently how you do the, uh, the, uh, the, the PayPal system to us. And um, for tweets, it's Star Trek TNC. Yeah. And for Instagram, it's at Star Trek TNC. And if you want to call us, it's 816 Trek TNC. Contact us. Hit us up. Hail us. Folks, That's really, thanks all for you listening. Can do, thanks for your support. Everyone should just really just enjoy sharing. Should we have our first wedding dance, Matt? Yeah, I can't wait to die 26 years later. What a weird selection of comments. Anyway. I would beam us out right now, but truth is, I don't have that sound. (laughs) You don't know that sound you say, Matt? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, it's it's an audio cacophony of terrible right now. (laughs) We're really driving people away from their, their speakers right now. True. You seem a little sad, buddy. Right? <laughs> I feel like I'm like <laughs> sad that I could not just fucking find this. Disengage. Finally, he's gone. I just didn't find the arena thing that interesting. I'm sorry, everybody. It's just like it's a draft. It existed at one point. I don't know that it was ever even seriously considered. I don't know what draft he's reading. Although they're writing so much fucking direction in for the actors, it's got to be a pretty late draft. Probably was more interesting than I thought. Sorry, everybody.